Turn in your Bibles with me, if you would please, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I want to take a look just briefly tonight at the first eight verses here in the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. I want to share with you from my heart the motivations that we have to change our world in a world that has changed. Imagine with me, if you can, a time where people lived in fear and uncertainty. A time where there was much information that was going out and some people were afraid to go out in public due to fear. Fear that perhaps the next person that they made contact with could literally lead to their death. Imagine people hiding around the corner, covering themselves so no one could see who they were. And as I share this with you, I don't think too many of us have a difficulty remembering a time like that. But I'm not talking about what has taken place in the last year and a half. I'm talking about what I believe possibly could have taken place some 2,000 years ago, right after the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You, said the fo- you see the followers of Jesus Christ at that time, before the, the local church came onto being, because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to build my church based on Peter's statement that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. It was yet in the future, and in fact here in verse 5 of Acts chapter 1, he says it's not time yet, you're not ready, you don't have everything that you need to go and to change the world. I want you to wait because there's something special that's coming, the coming of the Holy Spirit. We find that, comes in, that he comes in Acts chapter 2. It's interesting to me though that as we see the world that literally has changed, things will not go back the same as they have been before in the world in which we live. But yet God's commands for us have never changed. They've always been vibrant. They've always been there for us to do and to follow. And I want to look at tonight, just for a few minutes, what it is to change your world in a world that has changed. I want to share with you the entire outline right at the beginning. I've given it to you in verse 2 that we see that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, we don't need any other motivation than we already have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Great I Am. Amen? We need to do what He's called us to do. Not only do we have a relationship, but we have a resurrected Savior. It's not just at Easter that we celebrate that He rose from the grave. Come see the place where the Lord lay. He is not here. He is risen He is risen as he said. You and I, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, with the word of God that we have in our hands, we have all of the resources that we need. There is nothing else that we need in order to go and to do. Have you ever had a project around the house and you've said, well, if I could just buy this tool, then I'd be ready to do that project. How many projects do we have where we're waiting for just the right tool, the right time, the right situation, the right prices as lumber has gone up? But you and I have everything that we need in order to accomplish the task that God has called us to go and to do and to make disciples. I believe the believers in the New Testament here give us an example just from their understanding of who they were and what they had in Jesus Christ. Look with me, look with me if you would please in Acts chapter 1. And I've given you the outline because I want you to know it. I want you to see it. And that way, if you get done listening before I get done preaching, you're already responsible for it. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this, "...the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach." 
We know the former treatise is the book of Luke, as Luke also wrote this book, and we don't really know that much about Theophilus, and that's okay. Some historians have written about him, but in the scriptures it has not laid out much about him, so we're not going to dwell there tonight. But Luke wrote to him of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had what? Whom he had chosen. Whom he had chosen. Do you realize that word chosen is a word of relationship? And you and I have a responsibility and the motive and the motivation to go because we have a relationship with one who has chosen us. My wife and I have celebrated 31 years of marriage in May of this year at 6.30 p.m. on May 19. I chose her. It is a story of relationship. I'm not speaking about election here as we look at this word chosen. It's about service. That as a child of God, you and I have been chosen for service. You read as Jesus chose his disciples throughout all of the Gospels. Here again, he uses the word chosen as well as in the Gospels. He says this. He says, you've not chosen me and I have chosen you that you would do what? That you would go and bring forth fruit and that that fruit would remain. It's a word of relationship that we are connected with him. And you and I don't need any other motivation to go and to do what God's called us to do other than we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What a special privilege that is. He could have chosen any way to get his message out, but yet he chose you and he chose me to do that. What an amazing story that is. That he loved us enough to die for us and to have us become his representatives and to go out. How are we chosen for this? I'm going to leave your pastor to deal with that and the doctrine of election. But I don't have any doubt that we have been chosen as believers to go and to bring forth fruit. I believe the early church did just that. You read through the stories and the messages and you see the believers in the early days as the church is in formation in Acts chapter 2 and, and in front of that in the rest of the book of Acts. And you're going to see believers that were obeying because they had a relationship. They had a confidence because of who he was. God is a God of relationship, is he not? Do you remember in Genesis chapter 1 that he formed us in his image? In the image of God created he them male and female. He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden when they did not deserve that, when they had shunned him, when they had sinned against him. He walked with them because he is a God of relationship. Remember the Israelites when after 400 years they had been in slavery in Egypt? He says, I'm going to pull you out. I want you to be my people. I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to give you the confidence that I am with you by a cloud during the daytime and a pillar of fire by night. Why? Because God is a God of relationship, and he wants to be known. Eventually, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might what? That we might receive the adoption of sons. I see you sitting there with your sons. That's relationship. That's special. We came to the United States to be with my son because of the relationship and what God was doing in his life. 
We have a God of relationship, and because of that relationship, he desires for us to go and to make relationships all around the world with people that need to know him as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think I have shared with you previously that when I was a baby, I was adopted as a baby of just five months old. While we were here in the States this last couple of months, as is our normal custom, what we do is we go through our important paper box. There's not really important papers. It's end-of-life stuff and what happens and basically who gets our stuff when we're gone. Pretty simple. Divide it by four, the kids all get it, we're all done. But in there, there is a special package of papers, which were my adoption papers. My mom wrote on there, special, keep. And I'm hoping she was talking about me when she adopted me. But it says this, in the adoption papers, I want to read this to you. It says this, we have good news for you, Mr. and Mrs. Duvall. That's my parents. We have selected, chosen, a baby boy born, born August 29th, 19, none of your business. 66, I'm 54 for those mathematicians that are with us. He weighed in at 7 pounds, 2 ounces at birth. He is attractive, I, you got to hear this, he is an attractive and well-developed young man with light sandy brown hair and fair complexion. His features are nice. And his face and body are beginning to show plumpness. I don't think I like that word and I'm going to stop reading right there. He smiles and is now drooling and goes to anyone. You see, there's something special about this for me because according to Michigan law, when I was adopted... There was nothing that I could ever do for them to not keep me as their child. Because I was chosen by them to be a part of their family. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I give what? Can you say it out loud? I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. You and I have been chosen by him in relationship to go and to build relationships in the world and in the community in which we live to have the opportunity to share the gospel message with them of a God that wants relationship, of a Christ that resurrected from the dead and gave us all of the resources to go and to do what it is that he has called us to do. We lack nothing. I want to be about his business. I don't need to do anything else. I don't need any more of this passage in order to have the motivation for me to go and to do what God has called us to do. How about you? Relationship is how ministry takes place. We can invite people to church and they may or may not come, but I believe it's through relationship that people are interested in coming, the personal relationships that we have. As your sign outside this door says, be the church. Instead of going to church, be the church. Family that's not in this picture because they had to go back to Columbia is a family that we had met on the street, Jorvis in Alaska. We opened up the black top, uh, top of our car. We opened it up. We were serving arroz con pollo, chicken and rice. We were serving a juice. We had given them some food. We sat alongside on the curb, got to know where they were from, looked it up on the phone, on the map, where they were from, how long they traveled, how long they got here, gave them the gospel, and then invited them to church. Jarvis and Alaska came to church, and in fact, we gave them one of those um, tricycles to be able to be used for work in order to gain enough funds to be able to eat. But Jarvis and Alaska didn't stop there because the relationship that they had with the people that are standing next to my wife and I 
Paula and Albanus and their daughters, they invited them to live with them and to come to church. And Paula and Albanus began to come to church with them. Paula and Albanus invited Umberto and Henesis because at Christmas time they saw their girls running around in the yard and they didn't know if they had anything for Christmas. And when the Christmas packages were being put together, they said, Pastor, can we please give one to our neighbor that's here by where we are? And they gave one to them and they invited them to church. And Umberto and Henesis invited someone else. Five levels of relationship in succession that came and are a part of our church. Why? Because of the relationship with Jesus Christ and the relationship of those around in the community. We have a God that's interested in relationship. A God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die, his only begotten son, to die in my place. And I want to tell you tonight, I don't need any other motivation in order to be and to go and to do what God has called us to do in making disciples in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The message doesn't stop there, and the word of God does not stop, but we also have a resurrected Savior. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, it says this, Jesus, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion with many infallible proofs. You cannot deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the religious leaders paid them to say that someone stole his body. It was all prepared to do that. Why? Because they did not want to recognize he had risen from the dead. He was seen of them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus rose from the grave. You and I have a resurrected Savior, and that gives us enough to shout from the mountaintop, does it not? Not just at Easter, but every single day of our lives. One of the beautiful parts of Scripture that I love is Romans chapter 6 that speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And by the way, just about every message that you're going to read in the book of Acts, and I encourage you to rediscover the church through the book of Acts. Rediscover how they changed their world. What was their motivation to change their world in a world that had changed because Jesus had been crucified? It could have been dangerous for them to go out and to claim, I am one of his followers. Peter denied it three times. He says, I'm not. But yet when the resurrected Christ came around, he changed his tone in every message that he preaches throughout the book of Acts. And then Paul follows him in again and again and again, preaches about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can go to tombs, you can go to graves, you can go to shrines around the world and see dead religious leaders that are there. But you will not find the body of Jesus Christ because he rose from the grave, did he not? By the way, when I was preparing for this message, a thought came across my mind. And you better be glad that I have a wife that is part of my filter, that I don't say every thought that comes across my mind. But you and I are going to raise again from the grave, are we not? Absent from him is the presence of the Lord. Jesus borrowed his tomb, and you and I are only going to borrow our tombs as well. Because one day we're going to be with him. So when it's your turn to die... Go cheap and dirty because you're not only going to use it for a very short amount of time before you raise again from the dead. You're not going to need it very long. He rose from the dead. Romans chapter 6 speaks about as we in baptism together we are buried in the likeness of his death and raised again in the likeness of his resurrection. And what a beautiful sign that is as he says there to go and to walk in newness of life. We don't receive anything from baptism because it's at the point of salvation. We receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized into one body. 
but yet we identify with those through water baptism that are followers of Jesus Christ. COVID can shut down church, but it cannot shut down the work of God. Amen? There's nothing that can stop it because Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. The word of God was going out. It was going out online, and that was a mess. The one Sunday I thought I had everything perfect. The audio was working. The video was working. As I looked at the video afterwards, all of my notes and all of the signs that I had up were all backwards. And it was discouraging for me, but the word of God still went out even though the technology was difficult for us. Most of our people couldn't even see it because they don't have the technology to be able to watch a service online. We came up during COVID we were able to meet together again and it was time for baptism. We had five people that desired to follow in believer's baptism. And wait just a minute, don't get ahead of me. There's six in that picture plus me, but there were five that wanted to be baptized. And our custom is to meet together with them and, and I hear all of their testimonies and then we go through a pamphlet front and back of when, where, how, and why we baptize. Why do we baptize? We follow the example of Jesus Christ and his commands. How do we baptize? By immersion. We put you down and bring you back up. When? After salvation. The point of salvation. But soon after that. We're going through all of this, and the people are giving their testimony and sitting there in front of me, one by one sharing their testimony. And then they get up in front of church and share their testimony. I don't know if that's your custom here or not, but they stand here with me beside them if they're trembling, and they give their testimonies to how they came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that morning, all five gave their testimonies, minus one. Jorvis is shy. Jorvis had shared his testimony with me how since coming to the church, he believes in Jesus Christ. There is no doubt in his mind he's on his way to heaven. He came up to the pulpit, and I said, Jorvis, you're going to share your testimony? And he said... And so I had the privilege of sharing his testimony. He's a very shy man, and, and he shared his testimony. I said, Jorvis, is that right? Did I get it right? Yes. Got down to the end of the service. And I had an order of service, kind of like you gave to me as well. Ready to pray. Message is all over. Testimony's all done. We're going to walk down to the water. We're going to be baptized. I said, let's pray. Pastor? Sophie wants to get saved. Sophie's standing on the right side of that picture. She wasn't one of the five that had given her testimony that morning. And so I didn't see it on my list here. Sophie wants to get saved. We didn't plan on that that Sunday morning. And so I just, in the service, I said, Sophie, is that your desire? We'd been praying for Sophie for over two years. I said, Sophie, is that your desire? She said, absolutely. She just heard the salvation testimony, and she had heard it in church for over two years every single week. But that day, the Holy Spirit touched her heart, and she said, I want that now. Sophie trusted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. We took them all down to the water, all six of them, and baptized them. Sophie is only about knee-high to my elbow. She is a little thing. She was baptized in the waves three times before I laid a hand on her. But I still went ahead and put her down because that's what we do. With the responsibility when they're all done to what? To go and to walk in newness of life. We had two baptisms this year. And what a great blessing that nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ. Nothing can stop his word from going out. Nothing can stop people from getting down to a business and obeying him. It does not matter what or where. We have a privilege and a responsibility. 
You see, Sophie heard the word of God in a home, and she had listened to it because when we moved to the most recent location where we are, Bayanita, Ecuador, which means little whale, we moved to the coast. It's a town of about 2,000 people surrounded by 300,000 people, and we decided we wanted to eat Bayanita. We wanted to eat in every restaurant in that little town of 2,000 people. There were only about nine Lunch is only $3.50 each, and we usually split one until we know whether it's good or not. And so we went to our very first restaurant. We sat down, and they have a delicious fish peanut butter casserole. I know some of you are already lost, and you're not interested in it anymore, but it is absolutely delicious. It's cooked in a little clay pot. It sits on top of charcoal until it is crusty and bubbling, and it is just absolutely delicious. You've got to try it when you come to Ecuador. We sat down at the table, and I was in my uniform during the week, a pair of black shorts and a black T-shirt and black sneakers. That's how I dress. We live on the coast. Sat down, and the lady came over to the table, sat down, and she said, are you a pastor? (laughs) I probably didn't look like a pastor at that moment. I don't know what she thought. Word had gotten around town. She knew who we were. She said, are you a pastor? And I said, well, yes, I am. This is my wife, Deanne. She said, my husband, Carlos, needs Jesus. We began to meet with them and invited Carlos to church. We kept going back to his restaurant, but it was never the day when he had the peanut butter fish stew. Carlos came to church, and he was one of these gentlemen that sat in church, and he didn't really want to be there, kind of like you, sir. No, I'm sorry. I'm just picking on Dennis. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? They don't really want to look at the pastor. They don't want to really sing. They're just kind of into their own world until everything's all done, and they can walk out, or until they get a text, and they have to answer it, and they have to walk out and make a phone call. But little by little, the Word of God began to chip away at Carlos's heart. And last year, we had the privilege of baptizing Carlos and his son Jeremy because they came to know Jesus Christ. Sophie moved in with them, and Sophie came to know Jesus Christ. And then Sophie moved on to her town where she's the only one in her family that knows of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is finished. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but we have a resurrected Savior. He's called us to go and to walk in newness of life, has he not? And to spread that message all over the world. That's my motivation. There was a difficulty that I had, though, as I met with all of those people that were gathered together, because of all of those that wanted to be baptized, we had five people that were living together in fornication. Not all together, but in two different couples and an individual. And when I met together with them to go through what baptism means, I'll tell you, I was really trembling because I love these people and I want to see them obey and to walk in obedience to the Lord's command. But I also, how could I baptize one who is not choosing to walk in newness of life according to the Scriptures? And so I walked in, we prayed, we began, they began sharing their testimonies and one by one on their own, I never even had to say a word, the Holy Spirit went before said, Pastor, I know that I want to walk in newness of life because you've shared that passage with us, but I know I'm not living for Jesus Christ. Will you marry us? We want to get married. One by one, they shared their testimony and said, we know that we're not living the way that, you have for, that God has for us. We need to change. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that's the power of the gospel, is it not? I didn't have to tell them. God worked on their hearts. 
I was ready to tell them, and I wasn't sure whether I was going to baptize them and work through their mess afterwards or before. I had not come to that conclusion as of yet, but God did it. Why? Because we have a resurrected Savior that wants everyone to know about Him. We had two weddings. We ended up having two babies born in the church throughout this last year, and we are just praising Jesus that we have a Savior that wants a relationship with us. We have a resurrected Savior, but I want to tell you more than anything else, you and I have all of the resources that we could ever need in order to go and to do what God has called us to do. Verse 5 here of Acts chapter 1, it says, hold on, there's something coming later. In verse 8 he says this, but she shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. If it's not motivation enough to go and to change our world that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if it's not motivation enough to know that we have a resurrected Savior that we are going to represent, if it's not enough to know that we have all of the resources, the Holy Spirit going before us, what other reason do we need to do or to have in order to go and to change the world in a world that has changed? You see, God has laid out the groundwork ahead of time. Romans chapter 1, he lets everyone know that he exists. It is manifested. You cannot miss it. He says in Matthew chapter 28, he says, all authority is given unto me. I've got the ability and I'm sending you to go and to do it. And he says here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you have all ability to get it accomplished through my Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask, what are we waiting on? The world has changed in which we live, has it not? But our mission never has. God has called us. And I find here with the local believers in that early day, in the early time, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that they celebrated their resurrected Savior. He had chosen them, and they were obedient. He was resurrected from the grave. He lives. Our message is alive, and it is for the world that is lost and dying on their way to hell. But you and I have everything else that we need. There's nothing lacking. Don't wait. Are you with me? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to, in your mind, to just think of one person that you already have a relationship with. I'm not asking you for five or 10 or 20 or 50 or all of them. Just one person in your mind that you already have a relationship with that needs to know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. It could be a gas station where you go. It could be a grocery store. It could be in your school. It could be in your workplace. In fact, it could be the person on the other side of your cubicle that you just do not get along with. Would you just stop and pray for them this night? And think through what we learn from the Word of God again tonight, that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a resurrected Savior. We have all of the tools that we need, the resources in order to go and to preach the gospel. And will you go to them this week? Begin in prayer and go with your feet. We want to thank you so much for standing with us together in the ministry in Ecuador. This message came out of a study as I were gathering back together as a church that I really felt we lost what it meant to be the church. We'd gotten accustomed to going to church on Sunday. And then when that door was literally shut by the government and we were not allowed to do it, and for good reason for a time. 
I think we forgot what it meant to be the church of Jesus Christ. And we had to rediscover what it meant to be the church when we couldn't go to church. And I pray that it's something that lasts in our hearts to be the church right where we are on a day-to-day basis because we've got plenty of motivation to do that. Amen? Let's pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. I thank you for your precious word. I thank you that we can gather together in this place freely and preach your name. Lord, I thank you for those this year that have come to know you as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through a time that's been very difficult in our world, but yet you are still on the throne. Nothing has changed. and We need to be about your business. Lord, I thank you for faith and for their partnership in the gospel in Ecuador as well as many other places around the world. I ask that you would bless them and give them wisdom and how they reach out into their own community as well as their Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts. Even this week as they have vacation Bible school coming up. That you would bring the people here, that you would send us out to go and to get them so that they might hear of your love. The relationship that you desire to have with us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your precious word. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.